Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. There are four candidates competing for three slots in the 2019 Republican primary election for at-large Fishers City Council. One of those candidates is incumbent Todd Zimmerman. I spoke with Todd Zimmerman Tuesday afternoon, March 26th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers, right next to the new police headquarters. Uh, Hamilton East Library here has now uh, just built the Ignite space. It is it is quite an impressive facility. We are in the AV studio where video and audio productions are done, but you will find all sorts of art supplies. You'll find 3D printers. Next time you come to the Hamilton East Library here in downtown Fishers, just come downstairs to the lower level to the Ignite space. Any of the librarians will be more than happy to give you a tour of what all is involved here. We continue our series of discussions with candidates in the May primary. Todd Zimmerman is the incumbent Republican candidate. for He's up for re-election for Fisher City Council at large, and Todd's been on many of our podcasts. It's always good to see you, Todd. Well, great to have you. Thank, thanks for coming back here, Larry, and yeah. talk about your re-election campaign. Uh, you've served on the council now for almost five years. I always have to explain this to people. Yes, it's four-year terms in Indiana for city councilmen and women, but we do have uh, – a transition year in Fishers. We went from a town to a city. So there was an election in 2014 and in 2015. And you were candidates in both of those. So you have uh, won two elections. Therefore, you're finishing up your fifth year on the council. As for Fishers being a second-class city, that's what set this all up. And we are a growing community. We're getting bigger, although we wonder where the ceiling may be later. Um, many voters who are here now were not here four years ago when you ran for re-election last. So just uh, tell us about yourself for those who may not uh, be familiar with you. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Larry. I really appreciate all that you do for the community and giving back. And, you know, as media is not able to, don't have the resources to keep up with local politics as much, uh, you do a great service. So well, I thank you. It's my, it's my pleasure. Go yeah. ahead. So anyways, yeah, so I'm Todd Zimmerman. Uh, I've been on the council for, this is my fifth year, as you as you pointed out. I've been part of Fishers since 1989, so I moved here when I was 16 years old. Moved into Charleston Crossing back then when it was a brand new neighborhood off 116th Street on the west side of Fishers. There wasn't really much of east side of Fishers at the time. There was farms. There was, it was farms. I don't want to diminish that, absolutely. <laughs> no. I don't want to diminish that at all, but there just wasn't the mm-hmm. population growth and the build out east. So I moved here in the middle of my sophomore year of high school uh what it was uh i was leaving atlanta georgia areas alpharetta georgia and came here and it was 70 degrees there and i think when i went to school that next day or two whenever i got here it was negative 22 windchill factor so it was quite a stark uh, reality uh, i had to face getting on a school bus with people i didn't know in the middle of my sophomore year that was a tough transition uh, we would go and shop at Archer's Grocery Store in downtown Fishers when it was a really small downtown at the time. Did, I kind of felt like I went back in time, but it was really, you know, it was, it was a welcoming place and it was a great start uh, to my uh, future here in Fishers. So I've, uh, you know, kind of fast forward, I've been married almost 20 years. Uh, we have uh, my wife, Nikki, and I have three boys, uh, 16, 13, and 10. And they all go to the school. So we've been part of the HSC school system, uh, the district, for 11 years now. Yeah. 
You are one of the few people I know around town who has lived in Fishers longer than I, because I moved <laughs> yeah. here in 91. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to ask you well, why you made the decision to seek another four-year term on the council. Uh, I felt like there was some unfinished business. I uh, started uh, back in 2014 when I was first running for election. Uh, Mayor Fadden, or at the time, town manager, but now Mayor Fadness and I were speaking about the mental health uh, crisis that we see in our community and also nationally and wanted to, to really uh, start a work with that and not something that's a political legacy but something that's a community legacy that would carry on long past our terms and whoever's, whoever would be serving in office down the road. And, and uh, I don't think that work's done yet. I think, I think actually it's kind of just beginning. We've had a tremendous grassroots effort. Uh, there's uh, mental health awareness and initiatives have, have, have reached into our schools where the students are starting stigma-free clubs. All the way now down, I'm hearing to the elementary school level. So from high school all the way to elementary, there are students that are engaging with other students and talking about anxiety, depression, their worries and fears in life. And unfortunately, the thoughts of suicide at times. And But for them to begin to talk about it, I think, is the first step toward finding some real solutions. But that's one, that's one of many reasons why I wanted to, to run for re-election. Well, you may have already touched on one, but uh, you, as you run for re-election, you'll be emphasizing certain issues, I'm sure, as you uh, talk to the public. What are your main issues you want to talk about in this re-election campaign? Yeah, so the main issues is, is uh, sustainability of our infrastructure. We want to make sure that our infrastructure continues to um, provide safe transport, provide opportunities for business growth and our residents to be able to con- to freely move about. Uh, it's, you know, we were, we were uh, as development has occurred with Ikea and Portillo's and Topgolf, there was a concern in the community that it would be gridlock uh, there at 116th and 69. And I just want to give a special shout out and kudos to Jeff Hill and his team for the way that they handled this. Um, I believe it's been fantastic. And although, yes, there is a step up in traffic, there's not a, there's not a congestion that I would say it was unprecedented or anything that is hindering people. Um, and, and so the continued infrastructure, so focusing on making sure that our, our streets and our neighborhoods, especially on the west side of Fishers, where the, there's more of an aged uh, community, that we want to make sure that that's revitalized so that people when – whenever you take care of the roads and the sidewalks, it is amazing how residents begin to like take pride and ownership in their homes and they begin to refurbish and it revitalizes that for another generation potentially that comes in as maybe as empty nesters move out to different places or close to their grandchildren or whatever and you start that cycle all over again instead of just new build homes. You know, you served as I think one year's council president. Correct. Uh, you and I talked about that uh, once, and you said, "Well, it wasn't all that much different. You just run the meetings." But yet, I, what I found, and, and I'd like your take on this, is that not only are you running the meetings, you really are the spokesman for the council. If some issues before the council, uh, media other than myself, are going to come to you to talk to you, and that happened uh, on several occasions uh, during your year. So, what what did you learn about the responsibilities of uh, being the council president that you handed off this year to Rich Block? Yeah, so I enjoyed it. We, you know, we kind of of have worked, you know, as a council. We want we really are working in sync, and so we wanted a rotation on the council as a presidency because everybody 
for the most part, really needs that opportunity to hold that gavel, to be able to um, you know put together a meeting, hold the meeting. But part of the responsibility is we're nine council members with a lot of different ideas and suggestions, and you have to kind of find a way to make sure you're communicating as one, even though behind closed doors sometimes you're just not going to you know. You know, heck, heck, my wife and I won't agree on things. <laughs> so, so when you get nine people with different ideas, different agendas, different opportunities they see for the community, it's it's imperative to get them together and work out differences so that when we come out to the public, it's it's not in lockstep, but it's just not something that becomes ugly. And I think it's been a, a really uh, great experience to be able to walk through that. And it, it was hard to find a better council, honestly, to work with because we, uh, men and women that are on there that really are serving the community out of their heart. And um, it's not definitely not for a paycheck. I can tell you that it's, well, it's, it's really for, you know, out of their hearts uh, for the community and, 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 and to see the different aspects of different counselors and how they, you know, communicate what their needs are in their districts. Because it, it's a to be at large and also to be the president of the council, there's a responsibility there to see the entire city, entire community, and not just a particular area where I live. You, uh, as council president, instituted an opportunity at the end of every meeting for the public to talk about any subject they want for up to three minutes. And to be quite honest, only a few people availed themselves of that. I think there was a group at one meeting that was in that 116th Alcibill Road, and I think there was a really good discussion. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there, but I saw the video of it later. Yeah. Um, my, and then uh, some of your colleagues have, have instituted Council Connect, and it's had some mixed response. And any time I've seen a, a local election in Indiana as a reporter, everybody talks about transparency. But there are challenges to that because sometimes, you know, when you build it, will they come? And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I know that Eric Moeller, your colleague, has said, you know, transparency is a two-way street. So I want to know what you think about transparency, the efforts the council has made, and the response of the public in this whole area of transparency. I think when things are going well in a community or in a nation, people become – accustomed to it and they kind of because life is so hectic and fast-paced a little bit disconnected from a local government process and we would hear from select people uh, early on in my in my um, time on the council before I was president of well we don't we don't know what's going on in the city you know there's there was that kind of chatter. And so one of the things we want to do is would institute that opportunity to speak on any topic. You don't it doesn't have to be on anything with the agenda. It's an open-ended. You have 3 minutes to come speak and share good, bad or ugly. Uh, and what's been disappointing is we haven't seen a lot of responses to that. Now, I attribute that to people are satisfied. Um, as I've been going door to door in my campaign most recently, People are, seem to be very satisfied. Now, there's occasionals. I go to the door and they have questions and, and maybe some feedback with regard to specific issues. But every one of them has been complimentary. Um, even uh, you know, I'm Republican, so even Democrat doors I've I've knocked on, very complimentary of of how the city has been run. Uh, and so I, I see that as, you know, it's I wanted to make sure and the, and the rest of the council wanted to make sure every resident has the opportunity to speak. 
and I appreciate also what Councillor Moeller has done um, and and Rich, uh, Councillor Block, with regard to the Connect. Because we want to provide those opportunities where residents feel like and know they can have a, a spot where they can speak their mind and you don't have to hold back. Just be respectful, you know, but don't you don't have to hold back and don't feel like you have to just tell us, well, things are great. Share concerns that you have because we want to make sure every resident's voice is heard and we've provided that opportunity. Uh, so far, it's been sparsely attended, and, and but it's there for people. And Rich has uh, continued that after yes, you. Uh, absolutely. So that uh, was something you instituted, but it's still there as Rich yes, uh, yes. took that over. Yeah. I want to talk about some specific things. One, there have been a lot of issues you've dealt with in the last five years. But here's one that I really do think was that stands out a little bit, and that's the decision to take more city control over that space left vacant by Mars Supermarkets. When they went bankrupt, we weren't the only community dealing with that. This, this went throughout Indiana and some neighboring states where Marsh had still had a presence, although they had pretty well contracted by the time of the bankruptcy. Um, it was at his headquarters here in Fishers, and that closed. Uh, we had several stores here in Fishers. Of course, they, they closed. And a decision was made. And Rich, Rich and I, Rich Block and I, have talked about this. And on the podcast we uh, just recorded, um, he was the dissenting vote on that. Right. But I want to give you a chance to explain why you and the other city councilors voting for this felt that it was important for the city to have some control over that vacant space that Marsh had had. And as I understand it, uh, Kroger either bought the leasehold of the building, wherever it may be. Uh, so Kroger now has control, as I understand it, over those spaces. So explain why you and, and other council members made that decision. Yeah, so I think there was a little misperception on that process. Um, so the feedback we got after that vote was this was government coming in and controlling the free market. Not not the case at all. So basically what this mean, what that vote was is to – Make sure that we have a bite at the apple of anything that was coming in there because the fear is we have one shot at this. And especially when you have uh, commercial development in residential area. So, so for instance, 116th and Brook School. want to be very protective of that because that, that right there can go one of two ways. If that were to be sold off or leased as a Halloween store – or you know what, you know the fireworks, fireworks type that you know that or costumes or whatever mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. If that happens, what happens to the strip center that was already, I believe, still reeling from back when Blockbuster had an anchor oh, store sure. there? So oh, yeah. we're still dealing with that mm-hmm. since that since those days. And so you see that along there, you've got a vacant bank right there in front. And so looking at the area, and I understand Rich's, you know, from, from one perspective, I understand Rich's decision. I appreciate that he, he stands up for what he believes in. However, uh, I would just disagree on this in the sense that we have one shot at making sure we protect that residential area. And so I wouldn't be so much worried about it if it had been in a, in a, in a commercial area that there's just going to be that cyclical nature. But because that's there, it was it was important to make sure that we at least have a say in what goes in there instead of just any kind of 
type of uh, retail location. And Kroger was a bit unhappy with your decision, as I recall. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they were a little bit, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. See, some of that, they feel like, well, then there was a transition onto the west side of Fishers and decisions made there with regard to a Kroger location. They were going to remodel or potentially move kind of thing. And and so those 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 things were all out there. And yet it really is, at the end of the day, I think there was a, a clear understanding that this is not about blocking what they necessarily want to do. It's more making just making sure that we have a a, a bite at the apple. I think being a, an elected official in most jobs, there are a few exceptions, uh, means making tough decisions. I just talked about yes. one. But I went back and I thought, what were some of the toughest votes that I covered for a city council? And I, I picked out three, and you may want to pick out some more. All right. I look at the decision to raise the pay for for city council members, which you did, and, and I listened to that debate. It had been a long time since Pete Peterson said he was losing money <laughs> because you do well, lot, you, you, you do yeah, you yeah. put a lot of time and effort into it, other than just the council meetings. I do understand, yeah. and that is a, an accurate statement. But uh, it had been a long time since there had been a pay raise, very long time. Uh, so you did vote to, to raise your pay rather substantially if you look one year to the other. Mm-hmm. But it, over you had not had a pay raise for, for a number of years. I think the second one would be the decision to impose the wheel tax, which is $25 on a, a vehicle, most vehicles when you, uh, you know, reauthorize your license plates uh, to fund uh, projects on infrastructure. Road. It could only be used for roads. In fact, that particular tax under state law. And finally, the decision to raise stormwater fees, which uh, – allowed the city to build up an, an aging system that deals back many years to the town years and also, uh, it, as I recall, that debate impact the quality of water we have and you know, flooding in some areas we see. And it was an effort to uh, to deal with that. So I'm, I'm not – you can talk about any of those or, or others you want, but my main question here is as a city council person – Having to deal with an issue, it's before you. You have to make a decision. you got to vote yes or no. Right. There's no in-between. How do you evaluate that? How do you go through the process of figuring out how you want to vote? Well, the first thing I go to is because I have a family of five here in Fishers, I first look to what is the impact on families. Uh, I'm not as concerned at first and foremost, what's the impact on business. I'm more first and foremost, what is the impact of our, on our residents? And then what's the impact on business and then on, 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 because I believe if you have a healthy family, uh, economic structure, you provide a uh, healthy, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a healthy base there. Well, part of the decisions there, too, is you look at, okay, are there safety ramifications or are there basic need ramifications with the decisions that I'm making? So to vote, I don't like to vote for tax increases or fee increases, whatever term wants to be used out there. But the reality is I will not be somebody that runs for election to run for another term and feel like I need to make decisions based on my reelection status versus what is the best interest of Fishers and the residents of Fishers. And, and for safety purposes, for instance, the wheel, the wheel tax. Some people thought that was per wheel, so no, I think I, I, I hate that term. It's a bad – I, I, I yeah. hate that term because mm-hmm. um, it, it is $25 per registration per vehicle. And, and if I would, I would challenge people to look and say, okay, how are our roads compared to Indianapolis? And the challenges in Indianapolis are, are, are 
monumental. Okay, but we want to make sure we look at those things. And go, how do we make sure that we're protecting the longevity? And the safety of our residents, the longevity of our community, with our infrastructure, and and for that that nominal um, increase, I believe helps protect from major damage and also safety issues with regard to our school buses, with our children on the school buses. And when you have deteriorating roads on the side, or maybe there's potholes or whatever, the funding formula in the state of Indiana has handcuffed a lot of communities with regard to the amount of money you can have for the roads. And I can't remember, I don't want to exaggerate the number. I was told something initially about 70 years for a full pave on a, on a road is the funding, was the funding formula. I may be off on that, but I thought, thought that's what I was told. Um, but whatever it was, it was extreme. And to, and to see what we needed to do for the community and make sure there was safe uh, roads and the infrastructure, that's a decision that really, when you say it's hard because, yes, I know it impacts people's wallets and their budgets, especially those with fixed incomes. I, I, want, I always want to think, how, how is that going to impact them? But how is having a torn up tires and rims and, and a, you know, a muffler or whatever versus that $25 to make sure that we're protecting or somebody, unfortunately, worse, swerves from a pothole and hits somebody. And I mean, there's just, there's all sorts of things that can happen. So I always take a look at that and see, you know, when, when we're making these decisions and the sewer tax and different things, sewer rates, you want to look at how, how are those decisions impacting your residents and protecting them in the future. So when you make the decision, what you're saying is you factor in the you added cost to the citizens, but you've also got to look at a growing community and and, and the challenges. And and I know I was in the board of works meeting where, what well, a few weeks ago, when 1.3 million dollars was approved for neighborhood resurfacing, and it all came out of wheel tax. Correct. So the money is being used for it's that. Going, it's yeah. going right back into our communities, and and what that does is it not only provides safe infrastructure. But our property values continue to go up, and I believe that's that's a correlation there. Uh, and when you're when a realtor's showing somebody that's coming into the city for the first time, and they're trying to find a home for their family, and they see the difference, and they see the improvements happening in, in the neighborhoods, even in our in our older or aged communities, they're like, wow, they're taking care of things. And so when you see it really going back, I think people. And as like I said, I've been going door to door, and I've got very few comments about the twenty-five dollars. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of comments about thank you for taking care of the roads. So I think when you make yet, sometimes it's a hard decision initially, but it really isn't if you just think through the whole process and, and long term. When Scott Fadness first ran for mayor, he talked a lot about his vision for the city. Actually, I think it goes back to him being town manager, but I think especially when he ran for mayor, and that's when you first ran for council. And he talked about that that vision for the city that he had then. And, and a lot of what he envisioned has already happened. You'll see it. There's really more than one Fishers. A lot of people talk about downtown. And there's been a lot of development here, but there's Geist and there's Saxony and there's the west side of town. So there are many different Fishers right. because we're 91, 2,000, who knows how many people, but we're in the 90,000 range yeah. as far as population. When I, when I moved here, it was about 10. <laughs> it was a little less when you got I here. I think probably six maybe six or roughly. Yeah, yeah. So – I guess my question to you is, as city council member Todd Zimmerman uh, is running for another four years on the Fisher City Council, what do you envision happening in those four years? And what do you envision accomplishing 
at the end of those four years? I think a, a major focus is uh, putting emphasis, continued emphasis on our neighborhoods, on matching tree grants, upgrades within you know, and, and refurbishing and rehabbing some of the sidewalks and the you know some of the infrastructure there that's aging, but then also a continued a continued emphasis on creating that place, that sense of place where people have been asking for and, and that downtown area. I mean, it has been, it was a gamble. I mean, it definitely was a gamble as the town council mm-hmm. before I was on began that movement. And, and I agree with that movement. I believe that the, it, you know, it, it has provided something for our residents that they have a place to come gather and and we I mean our, our the concert series and I mean the amphitheater has been just a remarkable thing. But now people have that walkability uh, to different shops and and things and the, and then the development that will continue on the south side of 116th Street continues that vision. Um, but it's it's not a vision to try to just continue to build as much as we can. It's really a thoughtful approach. And and sometimes that can take out of context when you're middle when you're in the middle of transition and you're in the middle of growth, it looks like, oh my gosh, there's so much. But in and really if you take a step back and look, this is just an evolution of a community that continues to hold on to our roots because I, I fight for our roots for our community because I've been here on and off since eighty nine. I went away a little bit for college and stuff, but so I've seen it. I walked the downtown before we had much of a downtown other than a little bit. And I love where we're headed. And, and I just see that as a continued emphasis. Uh, part of your responsibility on the council is, is to approve the budget every year. The mayor gives you his proposal. You tweak it to make the changes you feel need to be made. Uh, the city has a AAA bond rating from Standard & Poor's. I think we're the only city in Indiana that has that. I if, believe so. Uh, if, yeah, if not, it's one of a very handful of, of, of cities. So when you look at city finances, people do like to talk about the debt. How – are you comfortable with the amount of debt we have and how we've, as a city, handled the financial side? Uh, yeah, I'm comfortable. If you actually drill into um, the details, and by the way, that's available. I mean, I've had residents ask me, mm-hmm. and I said, that's available. This is a public record. This, there's nothing uh, uh, hidden here. This is transparent. But if you actually look into it and you see the way the value, the property values and our, our, our business uh, tax base, the diversification of that, uh, you will see that it's a strong balance sheet, and that's why we have a AAA bond rate. I mean, you 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 can't just easily just come by that. That's something that's significant. So, when you look at a debt uh, threshold, although I'd prefer no debt, I'll, I think all of us would prefer no debt. That's not it's it's not something that's cumbersome on the on the on the residents and. We've really built it, and I really appreciate what the mayor's done. And when he is very thoughtful when he turns a budget over to us for review, is thinking of the long term, thinking 20, 30 years down the road, not just the next few and say, oh, we can pay the bills. But if a, if a recession were to hit, and when a recession hits, because it will at some point, um, there, there are, you know, we have a healthy cash balance. And we've got an opportunity that, um, once again, with that AAA bond rating, that keeps us really, I believe, safe from a recession. I need to ask you this. I think I brought it up before. You have a full-time job. You serve on the council. And how many sports teams do you coach? <laughs> so, yeah, so I currently uh, have a full-time job. Uh, then I have the city council job. 
uh, am running my campaign right now. So that that's separate, completely separate from the, those duties. Then I coach uh, multiple right now, three basketball teams and one baseball team. Um, and along with a few friends have created some some organizations. So uh, Fisher's Falcons, which is an independent baseball team, and then that has three different teams. We have some coaches for those. And then also Hickory Hoops, which is a we got we got a bunch of kids together and we have fifth grade, four seventh grade teams and a high school team right now that are running those. So I'm I love that. Uh, I also have a what's called a life group out of our church. So we've got uh, some ninth graders that come over to our home for just to kind of get away and talk about life and stuff. And then my wife and I host another group of adults. So stay very busy. Um, plus that was just three boys, you know, involved in all of this. And my son, my oldest, is involved in track at Fisher's High School. And I mean, there's just a lot of things going on. I wouldn't change it for the world because um, this is something that, you know, I, you know, when I was younger, um, I didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of stuff. And and so to be able to uh, see these kids light up, see these kids have confidence, and that maybe it goes back a little bit deep inside to, you know, I know the challenges and struggles they face, especially that junior high, high school age, and with regard to what we talk about with mental health initiative. And I believe when, when a child finds a purpose and finds an outlet in life, they come alive and they find their purpose in life. It may not be in junior high. They may not find their purpose in life, but at least there's something driving them toward a positive end and, and, and something where they can really pour their energy into instead of just sitting around with video games and, and not really having a lot, of, a lot of stuff to do because I believe social media – uh, devices and video games and that stuff, while all are good and useful tools, uh, also are driving some isolation. And we need community. We that's why I think in our I, that's why one of the things about Fishers is just people say they love living here. It's because of community. I'm also involved and in, with HSC Sports, uh, a sports organization, and I was commissioner over 26 second grade uh, teams. You got uh, more so, energy than I'll ever. Yeah. Have. So, but I, but I, but see, and I love that program and, sure. and what they do with sure. baseball and Express and everything. They just, it's that's what I love. There's a community that gathers together that uh, marshals their resources and is pulling for each other. We can do better in some areas. I think we can come out of our isolation a little bit more, uh, get behind, get back from those computer screens and outside a little more when we can. That's why I love even the trail concept. We haven't talked about that. Getting people together. I don't want to lose a train. Well, we only have 30 minutes. Okay. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, we have 30 minutes. So <laughs> we, we could have talked. But I, you know, I rode the train. I yeah. love the train. I love the, the whole thing, the historic part of it. But I want to see our community driven toward uh, each other and success. Time is about up. Okay. So just, just tell me in about a minute or so, a constituent comes up to you, maybe in one of your door-to-door excursions. Uh, Mr. Zimmerman, I've looked at your opponents. I've looked at you. Why should I vote for you? What's your quick speech? I would say just for simply, how do you feel Fishers is today? Where, what, how's, how has it gone over the last five years? 
been named the number one city uh, in the nation in 2017 by Money Magazine as best place to live. I don't know how much better it can get, and yet I think it can get better. I think we continue to to um, galvanize our resources, to get our residents uh, together, brainstorming on ideas. I encourage you to come to council meetings and hear, you know, and share your share your thoughts, share your feelings to our city council. But I would ask you to to, to vote for me because. I believe that we have a strong vision, a strong purpose, and together we can make this the best place to live every single year. Todd Zimmerman is up for re-election. He's a councilman at large on the Fisher City Council. Todd, thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. My thanks to Todd Zimmerman for taking the time to speak with me. Primary Election Day is Tuesday, May 7th, with early voting available beginning in mid-April. This is the Larry in Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, a suburban community northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. We'll talk again.